Our scriptures for today come again from Luke chapter 4. But each day as I open up my scriptures, they're in front of me and I study and try to comprehend those precious truths that God has breathed into those pages. I'm immediately reminded of just how small my mind really is. Although I want so badly to truly understand the meaning and the purpose of all of those words that I read, I know that I'm only barely scratching the surface of the unfathomable mind of God. My comprehension is limited. But thankfully, thankfully I'm not discouraged by the smallness of my mind. God very generously gives me peace. He reminds me that it is His Holy Spirit who will graciously give me all that I will need. And He tells us so in the Scriptures. And that's not only so for those moments of reading the Scriptures, but it's for all of those other moments of our daily life. All I need to do is just keep on reading and studying these truths and putting them into my heart. And He'll do the rest. And He'll do that for you. As I've studied through these words that I'll read for us in a moment from chapter 4 of the book of Luke, I couldn't help but think of the Trinity of God and how all the members of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, are all at work within the heart, the mind, and the soul, and the spirit of the Lord Jesus. He says so there in His words. All at the same time. And that's how while, yes, Jesus in His eternal essence, is still one part of that trinity of God. He is at the same time the Son of Man that we're reading about here in these scriptures. And in His being the Son of Man, Jesus is being called and sent by God the Father to carry out a purpose and a mission that only a Son of Man can do. He came as the Son of God, but He also came as the Son of Man because He was going to fulfill a purpose that only the Son of Man could do. And folks, may I say again that while with our small minds, you and I are not able to comprehend all of these mysteries, thanks be to God, as we've read before these words that come from James chapter 1, He will give us all of the wisdom generously, He says. He will give us wisdom generously to know what we're reading. Let me... Read read this for you. This is James chapter 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. So then, as we continue to study these truths about the Son of God and how the Son of God has become the Son of Man and how he somehow left some of His holy attributes in the heavenly realms. And I confess to you, I do not understand that, but He has done that. As we've studied in these messages, we believe that Jesus had to do it that way so that He could truly become a Son of Man. Fully human, fully able to suffer all the sufferings that we suffer, to be tempted as we are tempted, but yet without even one sin. And then to die the death that we deserve. 
taking our sins upon himself and atoning for each one of those sins that we commit, that we have committed, that we will commit today, and that we'll commit all the days of our lives. If you will, turn to Luke chapter 4 and follow along with me. This is beginning in verse 16 of Luke chapter 4. So he, this being the Lord Jesus, came to Nazareth. Now this is just after he had been tempted by Satan in the wilderness and he had defeated Satan. So he, the Lord Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as it was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, and he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I can't help but note in the beginning of this text, the words where we're told that it was his usual custom. It was the usual custom of the Lord Jesus to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. Folks, those are intentional words. Intentional words to say to you and to me that this is where we belong on our Sabbath. Each and every Sunday morning. Now why would that be so important? It's because here is where we read and we hear the Word of God. And here is where we learn of Him. And here is where we have the opportunity for our hearts to be changed through the salvation and the teachings that the Lord Jesus brings to us. And yes... Yes, those things can take place anywhere. Yes, you can learn of Christ in a back room somewhere or driving along in your car. But these words are intentional. And with these words, Jesus is clearly saying that the best place, the best place is here in our kind of synagogue, our church. Here is where we will hear and we'll learn the Word of God and be changed by it. And be changed by it. And folks, that truly is a special change that will begin to take place within a person's soul when we begin to turn our hearts to the Lord Jesus and to accept His salvation. And it's a change that will manifest itself in every part of a person's life. We studied the book of James just some months back. All through the book of James, God tells us that if you become a believer, If you receive Christ as your Savior, your life will change and it will be manifested in those changes. May I remind us that it's a change that is unique and it does not come solely through learning and practice. We love to do that in our secular understanding of how to do things. We think we learn and practice and then become good at whatever it is. Now, yes, learning and practice of the ways of the Lord is so important. But the real change instead comes about because God literally 
Listen, God literally removes that old nature from our hearts, from our minds. And then He implants a whole brand new nature within us. Those are strange words to a lot of people, especially to the secular minds of today. But they are true. God tells us that in Ezekiel chapter 36. Listen to these words. He says in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take that heart of stone out of your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you. And listen, and I will cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments, and you will do them. Oh, that's precious grace, folks. He'll not only put a new heart and a new mind within us, a new spirit, He will actually cause us to want to follow Him. May I say in the strongest of words that God is doing that exact thing within each of us right now. Each of us who has Christ as our Savior, that's taking place right now, this day, and every day as we reach out for Him and as we surrender our hearts to Him. But let me pause and remind you and me of something that I've said on other occasions. And that is that God does not save you and me merely so that we can go happily into heaven when we die. He has so much, much more than that that is appointed for you and me. He did so with the Lord Jesus and it is so with you and me. He wants you and me to join with Him in bringing about those same kind of changes that have taken place in our life on into the next person's life and the next and the next. With our new heart and with our new spirit, we're being equipped to be His instrument of mercy to other people. I must tell you, folks, that is a wonderful privilege. And it is necessary. Colossians 1.24 says, I fill up behind that which is still lacking in the sufferings of Christ. There is much more for you and me to do. And as we read these words of Scripture text for today, God is revealing through the Lord Jesus exactly how we are to get about it. Listen, this is what the Lord Jesus was called to do. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The Spirit of the Lord equipped the Lord Jesus by anointing Him to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The first truth, folks, that we see about Jesus is that He was fully surrendered to the will of God, His Father. That is the first and absolutely essential element of our own relationship with God and in the calling that He'll place upon your and my heart. And He has done that. If we have Christ as our Savior, He has already begun that in us. And then note also that the work Jesus was to be about was part of a specific mission that He had been sent by God the Father to carry out. Specific commands. Listen again to these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives 
and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And folks, Jesus told us in John chapter 5, He said, I do not seek my own will, but the will of God the Father who sent me. It's a difficult thing for you and me to imagine such high and lofty matters as these. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit looking down upon the affairs of men and in seeing this great need taking place. And then God the Father saying to His dear Son, Lord Jesus, you must give up your glory here in heaven and go down to earth and preach the gospel to the poor and to heal those who are brokenhearted, to set at liberty those who are captives to recover this, their sight because they're blinded, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then God the Father also saying, and you must do all of that, all of that as a weak and lowly human being. Now folks, I don't know that God the Father actually said those words to the Lord Jesus in that way. But in whatever way it took place, it did. At some point, it took place. And we know that the Lord Jesus was obedient to His Father and that He would be obedient. We're told here in these Scriptures, even unto death on the cross. And here as Jesus stepped forward into ministry, we're reminded that God the Father is faithful. He's faithful. He filled Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit who would guide and direct and empower Him to do all that He was called to do. Again, it is all so strange for you and me to comprehend. But imagine here, the Lord Jesus, the very God who created the ground that He was walking on and the air that He was breathing. He would, as a man, depend upon the power and the might of the Holy Spirit who indwelled His being. Mystery. That's a mystery. But it's all true. Why is that pointed out for us? It's because God wants you and me to know with confidence that it will be the same for us. That we also will be filled with His Spirit. And that it will be His Spirit who will empower and enable us to carry out all the plans that He has for us. I want to pause here for a moment and say that I do fear that most of the time we're weak in our faith and we don't fully believe that God's Spirit will do all of those special things in and for us. While yes, we do often say those words, how often have you heard coming out of your own mouth, oh, I'll just trust the Lord. I have to admit to you folks, too often I waver in that faith. And I fear that I use my own wits and my own intellect and knowledge, logic, far more than I use the power of the Holy Spirit. And I grieve because of my weakness. And that causes me to ask over and over again, how can I get on past where I am in my faith, on to where I need to be? I want to go there, Lord. I want to go there with you. I'm convinced that such strides can only come, though, in the same manner that it came to the Lord Jesus. Here in these words, he tells us that it's only through the Holy Spirit. And it was 
through his Holy Spirit, that God anointed the Lord Jesus to do all of the work that he had called him to. Listen to these words again, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Lord Jesus is saying this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Then Jesus went on to tell some of those things that he had been anointed to do. But folks, all of those things, all of that springs forth from these simple words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. What does it mean? What does it mean to be anointed by the Lord? You and I have heard that word anointed used a lot of times over the years. Not so much in Presbyterian churches or Baptist churches or Methodist churches, but used often in the charismatic denominations. And if we're honest, we might confess that we're not always comfortable with the ways that those folks use that expression. But just because, listen, just because some of our dear brothers and sisters in other denominations might have a different understanding of a word, that doesn't mean that that word is any less real and true and essential to our Christianity. The word anointed is being given to us here as one of those special concepts of Scripture that speaks a powerful word to our souls. A word that convinces you and me that we are not alone in our efforts. That there is a special power and a special might residing within us that fully enables us to speak and to do things that we would not otherwise be able to do. And that special power is the Spirit of the Lord Jesus. His Spirit abides within us. I love John chapter 15 that explains about the abiding presence of His Spirit. So then, what does this word anointed really mean for us? First of all, this concept of being anointed with the Holy Spirit brings with it a sense of being fully immersed, immersed, fully covered over, fully saturated with God's Spirit. Saturated to the point that there is no place remaining within us that the Holy Spirit is not. And He's not just present within us. He, he also brings with Him a, a special prompting. A prompting and an encouragement called unction. We find that word unction used in the King James Version of Scripture. Especially in 1 John 2.20. Listen to these words. 1 John 2.20 But ye have an unction from the Holy One. And ye know all things. You might note that other versions, such as the New King James Version, which I use today, translates that word unction as anointing. And they do have an integral meaning. But both words are tied specifically to the power and the working of the Holy Spirit. Unction is the powerful means by which the purpose of that anointing is carried out by the Holy Spirit within us. The unction of the Holy Spirit stirs us up. It spurs us on to do things that you and I would not otherwise do. Things that are not natural to our ordinary thoughts and behaviors. Things that spring from above, out from the heart of God. That was what was taking place with Jesus as He stepped on forward into the ministry that He had been sent to carry out. He was anointed to do this special work and he was spurred on by the special unction that comes with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And again, his mission was to preach the gospel to the poor. 
to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Note here that none of these purposes are social in nature. We are so consumed in today's world with social matters. None of these are social. Social matters are good, yes, but none of these are social in nature. These purposes reach straight to the soul of a person. The words preach the gospel to the poor, they're not making reference to those who are economically poor. These words speak about poor in spirit. That same poor in spirit that Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 5 when he spoke of the Beatitudes. These are the ones who know that they are needy in matters of the soul. And the words to heal the brokenhearted speak about those who have a broken and contrite heart because they realize that they are sinful and they are desperately in need of a Savior to reconcile them to God. The captives, they are those who are held in bondage to their own sinful nature. And it is a bondage. And the blind are those who can't see the truths of God because of the blindness that's put upon them by the world and especially by the devil who has blinded their eyes. To set at liberty those who are oppressed is to free up those who cannot see a way out from under their sinful burdens, their suffering, and their grief. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Folks, that's the jubilee that was spoken of in the Old Testament. That time when all debts are settled and everything that was once ours but somehow got taken away from us, it's returned to us and it becomes ours again. Jesus came to restore to us the life that mankind once knew all the way back there in the Garden of Eden. Those days when sin didn't control our thoughts and our behaviors. And I must tell you in no uncertain terms that this also is what God has called you and me to do. What the Lord Jesus was doing, He's called you and me to do it. We have been anointed to do these exact same things. Jesus said to us, he says, As I have been sent, so send I you. You and I are called to be about the same mission that the Lord Jesus was about. To preach the gospel to the poor. To heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. Set at liberty those who are oppressed. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And folks, God has equipped you and me in much the same way as He equipped the Lord Jesus. He has given us the power, the anointing, and the unction of the Holy Spirit. Now, you and I need to respond to that unction. And we're to get about the calling that He's placed upon us. And so I'm calling you to do that today. Listen to these words, and I'll close. Where the Lord Jesus said, Go ye, therefore and make disciples of all nations, beginning in your own home, in your own family, in your own neighborhood, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray.